Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. I'm Mike Riley, and this podcast is not only about finding your finish line at a race or an event, but as I always say, you've got to find your finish line every day in life. I'll have guests on, successful people from all walks of life, who have jumped those big hurdles to get where they are today. So their stories are inspiring and hopefully they'll inspire yours. My guest today, I'm very happy to have her on. It's my pleasure to introduce Kristen Nicole Mayer. She's a mom, she's a wife, she's a triathlete, she's an entrepreneur, she's the founder of Betty Designs. Hello, Kristen. Hi, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have to tell you, I think it's one of the best mottos in the business. Badass is beautiful. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I kind of like it too. It's been fun. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting is I'm not allowed to really say that on on site at a rate. I love being able to to say it right now. So so thanks again for being on. You've got so much to share with so many people because, as you know, I have age group athletes come up to me all the time and go, how does she do it? How does he do it? How do they? So that's why I wanted to put together a podcast so someone like yourself can come on tell their story and and let people know what you went through to get where you are today and where you're still heading. So that's that's why we're having it. But first, personally, I I have to first say I can't believe you have a son who's a sophomore in college. G is a sophomore. I went I remember when he was born. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, right? <laughs> it's crazy and he's huge. I mean, I'm pretty tall for a woman, but he makes me look like I'm 5 foot 2 when I'm standing next to him. So it's hysterical. <laughs> I know. I just, I just absolutely love it. And you've juggled so many things in your life to be able to be where you are today, but you're still also working out. You did the uh, Belgium waffle ride this past one again, didn't you? Well, I did. That was a little disaster this year. We don't have to go into that too much. We can, um, <laughs> but it's my, it's my favorite event. Um, I'm a huge fan girl of Belgian waffle ride. And this year it was, is really special because I finally got, I think we had about 15 Betty squad members who have taken to dirt, kind of followed my lead and they showed up and some of them had some experience, some had barely any, and they just embraced it. And to me, they just brought the amazing vibe. Um, that's so, I don't know. It just fills my soul. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's kind of what this journey is about. I do. And, and I want to get into that a little bit, but I've got to bring something up from the past. I believe we met, if you're going to believe this, is when you were going to the super show for LA gear, because I was still in the shoe business at that time. Because uh, weren't you an intern for LA gear and then kind of went to work for them? Yeah, that was my, um, that was my senior in college internship was a, at LA gear for a semester. And Um, I graduated and they hired me and I was in the ad department and then I went into footwear design and development. So yes, that is a great memory. (laughs) That's, and you remember the super shows, we'd work all day, not sleep all night and work all day. I don't know how we did that. (laughs) I don't either. And as a designer for LA gear, we, um, that was when I relatively speaking partied, but we were treated like rock stars at night. So it was a pretty fun uh, chapter to start my career. Fun fun chapter. (laughs) Well, let's talk about your road, your journey to Betty. 
You came to California with your dad. Uh, you know, you're a self-proclaimed tomboy, which I absolutely adore, and you are. Uh, so tell us a little bit about going down that road and coming to California from the East Coast and, and really how the progression of the journey started and how you started building the foundation to doing what you're doing today. You know, it's funny. I, I think about it often, especially as I've watched Gavin kind of go through his chapter and make his move out of state for college. You know, growing up, I was raised on the East Coast. I was definitely a tomboy. I think um, my dad played more sports with me in the backyard than my younger brother. Um, boys baseball and skiing and water skiing and soccer and tennis, and the list goes on and on. I never sat still. And I was, but at the, the flip side was I was a super dork. I wasn't very girly. And when the time came to go to college, I sort of knew what I wanted to do. I knew I had an interest in art, but I didn't know what that meant. Um, I knew that I was not really into applying to an art school because I felt like the students there would be a little bit too hippy trippy for me. I wasn't a full-blown artist. I still had some other facets of that tomboy side of myself. Um, so I wanted a university experience. So USC was one of the colleges I applied to um, all the way from Boston. And it was sort of a joke because California was my backup school. Um, and I, I got into a handful of small colleges on the East Coast that had great art departments. And when I toured them, I just didn't feel the vibe. And my dad said, well, we better get on a plane and go to California. So we did. And I fell in love with it right away. Um, apparently I cried the first two months upon starting school there because I felt like everyone was beautiful and talented and how would I fit in? But by Thanksgiving, I was done. I, my soul was sold to California. So that and was the, that was the very beginning. And knowing you, you probably own the place. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I was very quiet, very, very quiet. Um, but I did feel like I found my place. I will tell you that. Um, even, grow, even though I grew up on the East Coast, I sort of felt like I belonged in California. And I think that my dad secretly, he had had a couple graduate school buddies who had made the trek from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I think he was a little bit envious of that. And so when I said I wanted to make that migration, he was kind of cheering, saying, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I'm going to try and talk your mom into doing this. And that's what he did. Um, but my brother and sister ended up migrating. Everyone's in California now. So it's pretty cool. That it's it, beautiful, yeah, and we're we're the better off for it. I'll tell you that. So you always, you always, Kristen, like to draw. You know, even though you said you went into those art classes and they were a little too artsy fartsy for you, but you always yeah. like to draw. And didn't that start building your foundation for just putting designs together? And and you must you must have a thousand designs in your head. You're always thinking about. So wasn't that kind of the start of everything? It really was, and I was drawing from a very young age and. If I look back, as bef right before I went to college, I started, I like to draw products. I, like, I, always drew, I was a big sneaker head. I still am. I was always drawing sneakers. And it was not planned that I end up at LA Gear or designing footwear, but that's what happened. And so I find that to be really interesting. Um, and while my dad never said, follow your passion, because he kind of, in all honesty, thought my passion of art was silly. He didn't know how I was going to earn a living on that. Um, he did encourage me to do anything I loved in that regard. So... I did take to drawing. I knew I wasn't a fine artist. I knew I didn't have the talent to have gallery showings and paint and sculpt and all of those things as I went through art school. But I did enjoy the creative process, and I was always dabbling in something creative. And you've got that 
entrepreneurial spirit. I don't think you probably realized it. Maybe you realized that when you were at LA Gear and you wanted to start moving on, and then you moved on from there, and you really wanted to go down the road of just doing things for yourself, building a, you know income for yourself. Is that how it happened? It is. Um, I had a great start to my career working for for a handful of companies, um, and my I would work. I would stay at companies for you know a handful of years, work my way up. And my dad, he owned a health club on in South Boston. He was very entrepreneurial, and he always said to me, "You need to work your way up and run the business." And I used to I used to say, "Dad, no, I am not running a business. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that." So I was adamant and always stubborn about it. But as I progressed through my career. Um, and dabbled in not only product design, but all the graphic design and publishing and things like that, I realized um, when I ended in San Diego that I wanted to freelance. So I guess in a way that really was starting my own business, even though I didn't you know, think about it that way or lay out a business plan. I was working for myself out of my home. And that began in the uh, mid to late 90s. Wow. And, and then, uh, you know, as we all have in our life, we have these, these roadblocks and coming to California, you know, you saw this new horizon, but it wasn't always like peaches and cream. You know, you, you went through a divorce, there was a time you were down and, but that one thing that kind of kept you together, I believe was being able to work out and be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I think, what really saved me during those dark times. I mean, I never expected to go through a divorce. I, I was raised on the East Coast. I mean, you fell in love, yeah. you got married, and you worked it out, and you stuck together. And that was sort of the model that my parents set for me through the good and the bad, but that's not how it worked. So I had to just figure it out. And for me, because I think I was raised as you know an independent girl, and I had a strong will, and had that tomboy side of me, I had to just draw on things that, that got me going every day. And while I was really heartbroken, I loved sport. I was doing triathlon. As I'm sure you remember, I was a total tri-geek. Um, <laughs> I had Rock Fry coaching me, and I had a schedule. So even though I was down and out, it said I needed to go for a swim that day, and I dragged my butt out of bed and went for a swim. So it sort of kept me focused. I've always been a very goal-oriented, routine-oriented person. Um, you know, and obviously Gavin was a gigantic role in that. Um, with the divorce happening and unexpectedly, I just, I didn't know what a broken home looked like. And it terrified me for him. I wanted to make sure I was present for him. And so that was a huge priority at that time. Plus, what's good is obviously you had family, but you also had yeah. that friend network because I, as we are in the endurance sports world, it seems like it's such a strong family unit where everybody supports one another. And I know that happened with you. So take yeah. us down the road of all of a sudden, you're, you're now this unbelievable entrepreneur doing her own line, designing your own clothing. How did Betty come about? Well, Betty came about in, a, in, a, in quite a funny way. I was, as I said, I was freelancing um, when I moved to San Diego. I was dabbling in like ads and publishing. I worked for John Duke at Triathlete Magazine. Yeah. I did a lot of stuff for Paula and Rock at Multisports.com. And um, it, everything that all the jobs I took were sports related because that's what fueled me and made me excited. So I had that network going in San Diego, competitor publishing with Bob and John. I mean, I kind of honestly had the dream gigs, to be honest with you, as a tri-geek. And that foundation was, was uh, laid out for me. And then, you know, I was dabbling with Murphy Reintrieber back in the day when Lori Bowden and Paula and Heather were really winning the Ironmans. I was dabbling and doing some kit design. And 
that was the early, early stages of being able to get some custom clothing made. Um, and that's, sorry, I'm going back a little bit, but after that, and, and the divorce happened, I, I was sort of sitting there trying to figure out my next steps. My freelance stuff was a decent income, but not as a single mom. I had met who is now my current husband, Matt. We were friends. Uh, a mutual friend set us up, but we weren't really dating. We were just kind of hanging out. He's incredibly business-minded, and he kind of looked at me, and he said, I mean, he's so blunt. I know you've met him. He's just super straightforward. He goes, what the hell are you doing designing for everyone else? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. You look like you're kind of ca- talented. Why don't you just you know, come up with your own line of clothing? And I'm literally so fragile in that moment. I'm crying over a sandwich. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I can't compete with Nike. My head went completely in too many directions. Um, and he just sat there laughing. He's like, what are you talking about? You know how to design. You know how to get a jersey made. Do it one step at a time. Yes, it's the simplicity of one step at a time. What's right in front of you? So that was really, he was the one that kicked me in the butt and said, give it a shot. Buy a few jerseys. If they don't sell, don't buy any more. <laughs> wow, that is. You know, it, it, I can imagine how scary that is because obviously I worked for uh, Tinley's clothing line and yep. saw what Jeffrey and Jim went through of trying to produce. And, and it's, we just have to let everybody know out there, Kristen, the clothing business, the sports clothing business is one of the toughest businesses on earth. There's no doubt about that. That's why what you've done is just absolutely incredible. So you, you do you remember, do you remember the first Betty design? Do you have it still? Oh, I have it. I actually, I have the original um, from the original factory. The, I made I made one design and I took it to Kona in a backpack. I made 30 jerseys and I made with some tank tops and some terry cloth wristbands as a throwback to my 70s tennis heritage and went to Kona and sort of just walked around Kona in it. And, you know, I didn't really have any expectations and I wanted to see, I walked around in the jersey on, you know, on a Leahy Drive because everyone's walking around and all kinds of sports stuff, Speedos, you name it. So I didn't look that out of place. Uh, I wanted to see if anyone commented on it and they did. So that was the beginning of the conversation. Wow. That was, you, you did your own focus test. Yeah, pretty much. I wanted to, I didn't say a word. I didn't say I was going with it. Didn't tell anyone, just showed up wearing this cycling jersey, which is a little bit odd, but that's how I did it. <laughs> you, you know, the, the theme when I talk to people like yourself, Kristen, is the guts it takes to do things like that. Because you you had to feel intimidated at first of putting yourself out there, didn't you? Yeah. I sure did. Yeah, absolutely. But you've got that motto of uh, feeling good in your own skin, which is what you try to teach all the Betty squads all the time. I do. And, you know, we all have doubts, but I I figured my whole thing is don't take a risk that's too big that you're going to ruin your life over it. To me, a 30 jersey investment. And if everyone laughed at me and thought it was silly, yeah, my feelings would be hurt. But the flip side is, and that means that's not my path for my business. Um, so it was sort of that mentality and I had nothing to lose. I was kind of not in the best place in my life at that point. So anything kind of went. <laughs> so then we're fast forward and all of a sudden you're producing clothing. You're working out of your house in San Diego, correct? Most of the time. Yep. Yep. Well, yep. Out of the garage, shipping stuff myself, handwriting labels. <laughs> do you, did you ever, do you remember when you, cause you do have a couple of people helping you now. I do. Yeah. Um, I did it alone for a long time, um, and I kind of got to the point where it was like I was handwriting labels, and my goal was originally to sell one thing a day, and if I did, I would put the money back in the business, and 
my original website had line art on it rather than photography. And so as um, a little bit more money came in, I just put the money back in and did it that way. And at some point, I was writing too many shipping labels in a day all by myself, and I didn't have time to do anything else. So it was time to automate the shipping and print a label, and it was also time to get somebody to help, which sounds silly, but that's really how simple it was in the moment. Right. Right. Well, uh let, let's. I want to talk about the design and the and the uh, the logo and stuff in a second. But I, I know what what some women are thinking out there, right? Uh, how did this Kristen girl? How did she juggle it all? Now you, you've got a little boy. You know, you're, you're going into a new relationship. You want to keep your, you know, because you're that one that doesn't do anything half-assed. You want to keep doing triathlon. You're listening <laughs> to rock. And, you know, it's funny when you say that. I know if he put something down, you did it. He probably oh. said, okay, you don't have to do everything, but you did Pretty everything. Much. Pretty much. So how, yeah. how, how do you end up juggling that so that you felt like your life was balanced and you weren't off kilter? You know, it's hard to explain. I think for me, when I have... I think all of those different facets of my life gave me purpose. And if I ticked off a workout, it was a, it was an accomplishment in the sense of I got out the door and I did it and I did the workout. Um, I got out of bed in the morning and I made breakfast for my child and I got to have this conversation with him before I dropped him off at school. All of those things played into little bits of my life that were super important to me. Um, so I didn't, I, while I was juggling, I didn't look at it as juggling. I just made the time for the things that were important to me. And, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes there was a lot of ugly mornings at four o'clock in the morning on the trainer, because obviously I'm not going to leave the kid in the house. Um, you figure it out, you know, you fit in what you love period. That's what I, and that's what I think the, uh, Betty squad, all the members, all 200 plus of them appreciate you for. And we'll get into that. We'll get into that group because they're, I don't, they're near and dear to my heart when I bring them into a finish line. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. As an endurance athlete, you're constantly pushing your body to new limits, searching for your personal best for the next finish line. If you're training for an endurance event, whether short distance or long distance, proper recovery is the key to you unlocking your potential. As the official topical pain relief partner for the Ironman US series, Activice's lineup of topical cooling gel, roll-on and spray features 8% menthol and eucalyptus oil to provide the instant icy relief you need to recover smarter and faster. The water-based non-sticky formula withstands sweat to keep up with the demands and exertion of race day. Don't let muscle pain or sprains hold you back from reaching your potential, from reaching your personal best. Shop the Activices lineup on Amazon today for the support you need to find your finish line. So why? Guess what? I got the, I got the dad skull <laughs> butterfly logo. I like you call it. This the, the dad hat. I call it the, the dad, dad and papa hat. because I got two <laughs> grandkids now, so I'm the, the papa hat. So yep. first of all, Where'd the Betty name come from? So it's funny. I um, During my freelance uh, portion before Betty, when I was in San Diego, I was trying to figure out business names to, you know, so I'd be taken more seriously, if you will. Um, there was a lot of biotech startups in the 90s, and I, I didn't have a lot of interest in doing design for them, even though I know that was where the money was. It wasn't, it was boring. I wanted to stay in the sports industry. 
And I didn't want to be taken too seriously. And I've always had a fascination for not only California, where I ended up, but also surfing and the surf culture and women who surf. And slang for a hot surfer chick is Betty. Betty. Um, And so that was a playful name. It's not a relative. It's not my nickname. It's literally, it was a fun, ton-in-cheek, like, hot surfer chick. And I, I took a lot of inspiration in my designs from surf and street culture and high fashion. So I wanted a playful name that kind of, you know, people would stop and ask about it, but wasn't too serious. So hence the Betty designs, um, that's where it came from. And what about this baby, the skull? (laughs) I have to tell you a story. I was with some family members, my sisters this past week, and I had this hat on and the girls goes, what, what logo is that? They didn't know. And my sister's daughter races in Betty kits. And I said, (laughs) Your daughter, Kim, you know, who's doing her first Ironman this year. Oh, that's what this stuff is. And then they're going, why the logo? I go, I'm going to ask, why the logo? (laughs) So the logo is interesting. It it comes from a couple of places. One is all those years of racing in San Diego and triathlon, I was petrified of surf entry. Even though I was a competent swimmer, if the surf was over two feet, I literally had a panic attack (laughs) in the start. I would cry. I mean... People that used to race with me, my peers in racing, would laugh at me because I'd stand in my wetsuit with the goggles, tears streaming down my face, scared out of my mind. And then I'd just gun it when the, when the gun went off, and I'd get to the buoy as fast as I could. So to kind of key me up for that, I would wear the skull necklace. I thought if I wore this skull necklace, it would make me extra tough. This is how silly I am. It was that, that silly, but I was obsessed with the, sel- the skull necklace, and it was a superstition every time I went to a start line. Um, the flip side of that, the butterfly, was that you could, go, you know, it was funny because I'm crying at the start line, yet I, you know, rip it during the race. I go as hard as I can. People think I'm intense. Afterwards, like, I'm kind of a marshmallow. I laugh and I cry. And there were these two sides of me. So it was like the toughness of the skull and then the femininity of the butterfly and kind of the softness. And I, I love the way that they don't really go together, but they made this really cool kind of two facets of, of a lot of women, honestly. Well, Kristen, they don't go together, but they do go together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now that you explain that, that's so. Let's talk about kind of the present. You know, you have so many collections. You've got inventory now, and then all of a sudden, the damn pandemic comes along. And were you afraid you were going to go out of business? I was petrified. Uh, that was a solid six weeks of. Um, not a great place for me. It, uh, you know, the business was rolling around quite or, or along quite well. And I had a couple people working for me and the pandemic hit and I had never seen a zero for a day in the sales. And it was oh. day after day, there was zero sales. And I panicked. I literally panicked. And I didn't know I had some reserves in the business, but I did the math. And I said, you know, we don't know how long this is going to last, but I've got to take care of my family. So I let both my employees go at the time. And I sat there and I went, I got to just ride this out and see what's going to happen. I took that moment actually to do some things with the business that I'd been planning on doing. For example, we were still shipping out of the house. This is last year. It's 10 years into the business. I've got sheds all over the yard, inventory overflowing. My husband's incredibly patient, uh, bins everywhere. And I'm like, it's time to move this thing to a warehouse and have somebody else do the fulfillment. So I took that time. I personally hand barcoded over 4,000 products. It was Come a two-week on, endeavor. Really? Yeah. Oh. I was crying. 
I was so terrible to be around. My, I, I'm not sure my husband and my son were very thrilled with me for those two weeks. It was that was tough. I was scared for the business oh, no. going under. It was a lot of work. Um, I built a couple pallets of stuff, shipped them out of the house. Best mood up move that I've ever made. I finally was delegating some part of that business to somebody else. Um, so while that was hard, that was sort of the the things that I could control. Um, and then slowly I was actually quite surprised how quickly things started coming back. It was probably, probably three months and, and all of a sudden there's some sales coming back in and talking to the Bettys online and talking to customers and people, I mean, we're all lost, right? We don't know what's going to happen. The only thing we know is our sport and we know how to move our bodies and people started doing that again, uh, for their own sanity, really. Well, Kristen, I've, I've seen it firsthand. And I don't know if when you started it all, you knew that this Betty squad was going to be this family that uh, supported each other in such a big way. And they supported you during the pandemic. Did you ever think that it was going to grow into this passionate group of women who are always so doggone happy when they come to a finish line and they're so glad to be with one another? Did you ever envision that at all? You know, I really didn't. And they'll tell you why, because, and, and I'm always super honest. I didn't, I, I had female friends, but I wasn't like, I was more of a guy's girl. Yeah. I hung out with the guys and a lot of times women didn't really like me. They didn't take to me. And I didn't, I had, I had some great friendships and I had the camaraderie on the race course, but in general, I wouldn't say I was a girl's girl. And I thought that you know, I had a lot of personality flaws and this and that, and I was too intense and, and whatnot. But what I realized when I launched the business and started doing the marketing the way I wanted, and I've done everything very much from the heart, is there's so many women that have gone through the same things that, that really have that inner fire, that really are trying to overcome something, you know, whether it's a divorce or just that finally the kids are off to school, they can do something for themselves. And we all connected, and when I meet them, I am blown away by how much we have in common, personality-wise. And it's been the most incredible experience for me to really understand how much a women's community means to me, because I, I, did, not, I did not expect it. That's interesting, because you were, felt you were on the opposite side of the street, and that women didn't really want to be around you, because you wanted to be around the guy. And I've gone on rides with 10 guys, and there's you know, Kristen in the middle of the doggone thing, just mixing it up. So I, I understand that. But that's interesting how it came around the other way, because probably you brought out that side or the Betty side of those women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we really have a lot in common. And over the years, I've held some camps. And, you know, the women that are on the squad are chosen, I don't want to say at random, but somewhat at random, I don't meet them in person. And it's hard to say no to people. And We've had some in-person camps and they show up at the front door and we hug and it's like, oh my, it's, it reminds me of the sorority life at USC. It really does. And just because we're all this, we're so similar um, and we get along incredibly well and there's a mutual respect and kindness and just sharing the love and the passion for endurance sports and being the best we can be in so many um, areas of our lives. And there are, there are a lot of brands in our business, which I love. I've loved the, the things they've done. And, but when, uh, when a Betty girl is approaching that finish line, uh, whether it's at a 70.3 or an Ironman, I don't know. I give it a little extra, and they're <laughs> waving. And, and I talked to a lot of them beforehand, and uh, I, just, I just love them. 
Speaking of uh, women, as we have, and and you know what's going on in the world, and you've been a part of it all. How do you feel our sport uh, is doing with the uh, diversity issue of women's coming into coming into triathlon or coming into endurance sports? Because it's not it's not easy. It's not an easy world to come into. You know, it's funny because I don't. From where I came in and how I came in, I don't find it difficult. But again, when you're talking about really being um, inclusive of everybody, I can't. I can't always put myself in their shoes. I think that there's a lot, a lot of room to grow. I do think that there have been a lot of inroads in um, different events trying to showcase the women's race more and more. That's the part that's been disappointing, and I do think it's changing. It's changing a little slower than I would hope. But in terms of diversity and inclusion, I feel like. I don't know. I, again, I'm in my own little world, right? I've got, I've got my head down. I'm working most of the time. And, and my frame of re- reference is mostly the Betty squad. We have such a diverse group of women. We really, really do shapes, sizes, ethnicities, likes, dislikes, you know, sexual orientation, you name it. They're all over the place. And quite frankly, we're all the same. So I'm not seeing it in my little circle, but I know it does exist. Um, well, and I, I welcome anyone. Pretty- yeah, and I and I think you're creating an atmosphere where it is open and it is welcome. So thus, it's not as hard to put that toe into the water for the first time. So we all go through failures in our life. We talked about some of yours. You know, I I think about a lot of mine. And but th- there's always failures that seem to teach us the biggest lesson. What do you think the the, the biggest lesson you've learned from some of the things that you've been knocked down with? You know, I, I would say, I think that, and, and people say this all the time, I had no idea how strong I was when I got knocked to my knees during the divorce. I really didn't. I had a mindset of life was supposed to be a certain way. And when that got pulled out from under me, in the short term, I wasn't sure I could survive, which seems very overly dramatic. But in the moment, it's heartbreaking. And but what I realized is there's so much more to me than I realized. And my, I have to credit my parents. The way they raised me, I, I grew up on the East Coast. They gave me the opportunity to go to school outside of, of my, you know, where I grew up. And those experiences and their support and their love and the open communication we had as a family, I believe that's where it came from. Beautiful. Well, your first triathlon is probably still in your head. What what was it? Which one was it? It was Mike and Rob's most oh. excellent adventure, the sprint yeah. course. In um, I think it was September of ninety four. And 94. I'll tell you what. Yeah, what I don't, I will never forget is the girl that I set up in transition next to. Her name was Barb. Her last name escapes me. I don't know how to find her on social media. And this is what made me fall in love with the community. She helped me through that first race. You know, I was so nervous, as you can imagine, but she talked me through it. She said, you belong here. I didn't know anything. But that accomplishment of that day with her being there and selflessly just, you know, helping me out, I will never forget that. And it was the experience of my life in that moment. That that is amazing. And I talk to people who are first timers all the time. And 
and other athletes. And when I say, hey, there's uh, 400 first-timers here at this Ironman, and they raise, I have them raise their hands, you can see the veterans kind of, some of them go right over to them and shake their yeah. hand. It's yeah. a very welcoming family. There's, it is. Uh, no, no doubt about that. Now, all the Betty designs, because you're not, you know, it blew me away, because my niece, who's doing her first Ironman, I said this year, wears pink. She got one of the pink outfits, but you're not a... You're not a pink girl. Not everything's pink, right? <laughs> no, what's funny is when I started the business, I was so far from being a pink girl. <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you, I love pink now. And I think there's a way to do pink that's not that stereotypical, like too babyish, girly. There's an edge to it. And that's what I'm trying to bring is femininity with an edge. It doesn't have to be pink. It can be any color, really. But I hated it, but yet my brand color is pink. So and, I wanted and, to own it. And, and you've, you've said, you know, your sport designs are uh, geared up for someone doing an athletic event, doing a triathlon, but yet can go down a, a fashion runway. Uh, that's yeah. your goal? That's my goal. I mean, obviously, you're not going to wear a pair of bib shorts and a, yeah. you know, a cycling jersey. But the flip side is, you know, with the accessories and everything else, it's an attitude. It's a... Uh, a quiet confidence. It's a way of life. Um, and I think that the logo and just the sort of the whole philosophy of the brand is much more, it's, it's more than triathlon and endurance sports. And that's sort of my goal for the future of the company is to really expand it into everyday pieces so that it's both on and off the race course. And as you know, we all get older and our, you know, we can't race as much, or maybe our you know, I hear a lot of people are going to pickleball. I'm not there yet, but maybe I'll make pickleball <laughs> gear one day. <laughs> I have so many friends, Mike, play pickleball. And I go, ah, I'm going to go ride my bike. I'm yes, not I'm still there too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Three hours on the bike's better than, you know, anything else. So I what, hear what you. The heck? Uh, you know, when you uh, are thinking about the future of, of the clothing business, where do you, th because you have to go so far into the future of the designs and getting it produced. So do you have like 2022 already done and mapped out? You know, I actually don't, which um, you probably are shocked at that. It's yeah. So usually with apparel, their lead times can be up to 18 months to get a collection out. Because of uh, what I do in the manufacturing I use, the turnaround times are quite, quite quick. So for me, I literally look at trends and I look at things and when I'm inspired, I'm just creating and I can, if I have an idea today, it can be brought to market if there's no manufacturing delays within eight weeks between marketing, photography, the actual product. So, um, that's where it sits right now. But when I start to go into some other areas, like my dream, for example, because I grew up skiing in Vermont is to do ski wear. If, if I get into that, I know those lead times are going to be very different in developing that apparel than cycling and triathlon clothing. Well, well, that's a good question. I mean, you've got the Betty line and the designs and you're doing that. So do you see your company branching out into things like that? I actually do. I mean, my, my dream is I have played so many sports. I've been so active my whole life. I want, so right now, you know, we spend part of our time in Park City We've my husband and I have embraced all the forms of skiing. I grew up downhill skiing, but we also are doing backcountry. We're doing uh, skate skiing, although I'm doing it very poorly at the moment. It's very humbling, but we're doing all the different forms of skiing. And when I reach for that pair of pants in that tech jacket, why can't it have a Betty logo on it? 
we have so many women who live in different parts of the world and they cross train. Uh, my dream is to literally make something for every sport I do. So that's the goal. And long wetsuit for surfing, even though I don't surf that much, it'd be amazing. It'd be really cool. Yeah, it, it, it would be. And you know what? The skull and the butterfly, are you kidding me? That's good for any extreme sport, yeah. you know, especially yeah. the down, downhill stuff. Yeah. So what does Kristen Mayer, what, what do you do? Like really to be able to set back and regenerate and relax. Do you watch a Netflix movie? Do you read a book? What do you do for yourself so that you can move on in the next day or the next week? You know, it's um, I'm quite a simple person. I My mind, as you can imagine, is constantly going with a bazillion ideas and things. And I'll be riding my bike and I see, a, <laughs> I don't know, a hue of blue on a sign. And it inspires me to think about the next design. But to really decompress, I mean, we watch, we have, you know, we go through different Netflix series. I'm not an avid reader. I'm always, I'm always a little embarrassed by that because my husband reads and reads and reads and I'm just not. I grab the international fashion magazines. I'm reading the fashion blogs online. Um, recently, literally just getting out of the office and spending four days with Gavin and getting him set up at school is just to step away from the desk I'm totally rejuvenated again. So I don't need a lot of, I don't need big blocks of taking downtime because I'm so, I have so many ideas and I'm excited to get up and do it. 90, I would say 98% of the time. <laughs> I love it. 98% of the time. 98. <laughs> and then if you want to relax, you just go jump on the bike or the trainer well, and go, okay. I mean, kind I, of, I but I, I do like my couch time in the evening with my dog on my lap and you know, watching some mindless TV. If Matt falls asleep early, I've got the Kardashians on. I love it. <laughs> so uh, usually around that last question for find your finish line, I call it tri-table racing. It comes from table racing. Table racing is a term in the off-road racing of the Baja 1000. I've got good friends, as you know, that race the Baja. And they sit around the table afterwards and reminisce about the race or something that happened in it. So in tri-table racing, I ask my guests, what memory do you have of a race that you'd like to reminisce about, whether it's good or bad or brought joy or, or you go, oh, my gosh, give me a little race tidbit we can reminisce about. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to go, go the Kona route. I have to go the Kona route because I did cross the Kona finish line in 1998. And again, this goes back to not realizing, realizing how strong I am. I never in my, I hated running growing up. That's why I played soccer and tennis. And I also played goalie, by the way, in soccer. Of course um, you did, Miss Tomboy. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Diving in the mud in the fall. There's nothing better. Um, so, I mean, for me to get to a point where I really embraced endurance sports and I realized that that suited me because I think I needed that kind of long stuff to calm, calm me down in some ways Crossing that finish line in Kona was, I remember my dad saying to me, and he's always quite positive, but he would look at me and go, you look so frail. You're so skinny. Are you sure you can finish this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course I can finish it. I've trained for it. But again, it's in that moment when you do your first Ironman, it's so big. And across that line, and I also... I was working for PR bar at the time and my boss at the time actually oh, yeah. said he didn't think I was going to finish and that's all you need to do to light me up. And then, so crossing that finish line, smiling through the marathon, because as we all know, Ironman has so many ups and downs. I'd never run a marathon. I literally enjoy, I enjoyed the experience. I, and I didn't really know how to push very, very well at that point, 
So to just go through the day and enjoy it, to me, is one of the most vivid memories of sport. Um, the other one is jumping off the boat at Alcatraz. There's nothing that's more of a rush than jumping off that boat. So I don't know. Those are, those are two of the things. And now, if I can get outside of triathlon with the Belgian waffle ride, yeah. the camaraderie of flogging yourself on dirt when you're like me, you're kind of scared on skinny tires, ripping it through dirt, ripping it. It's a loose term in my case. But getting through the day, you're covered with dirt, you're exhausted. It's like an Ironman day. I mean, you're out there for anywhere from nine to 12 hours. I've done it, you know, between the two. And just standing at the finish line drinking beers with, you know, that camaraderie with that smaller, it's like a smaller group now, right? It's like the new endurance thing. So there's less of us, but just to bond over that, I don't know. I love that in general. Yeah. I I've got to get that. I've got to get that on the schedule. I got to get that do. done. I uh, just, uh, it just, everybody talks about it. Like it's a religion for God's sake. So what is going hey, on here with this? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, my husband's going to kill me because I'm going to do it again next year. I have to do it. Cause I didn't, I did not finish this year. Um, I've got some health stuff going on. I'm fine. But so my goal was to do three of them this year and I had to let all that go. Um, wow. but I'll be back in San Diego. It's my all time favorite and hopefully I'll have more Betty's in tow. <laughs> yeah, of, of course you will. <laughs> So not only for the Bettys out there, but uh, you're one that have, and, and you know what, for women and for men, the messaging is clear and it's concise, but someone's going through a tough time right now, and a lot of this is not over. People are still having a tough time with the pandemic, not working, trying to work, you know, the whole deal. What advice would, could you give them uh, to help them move forward, to get to that next finish line, to get to that next hurdle that they see in front of them? What advice could you give them? I think the biggest thing that I've learned is you've got to look at what's right in front of you. Literally, you know, we all go through hard times and it can seem daunting, whether you're overcoming an injury, an illness, uh, something that happens with your life. Um, you can get overwhelmed with trying to think how you're going to get back to your, your best self, if you will. And, you know, with all the stuff going on with COVID and the ups and downs and the isolation we've all felt, I think, you have to figure out in the moment, what can you do? And it doesn't mean a long period of time, but what can you do today that's going to bring you some joy, honestly? Um, whether that's sitting with your dog, you know, taking your kid to school or homeschooling your kid, or you and your spouse actually sit across the table from one another with the phones in the other room, whatever it is, pick whatever your thing is. If it's moving your body, you know I'm all for that. Um, pick that thing that's going to bring you that joy in that moment and try not to get overwhelmed by everything else. Great so. advice. Fantastic advice. Well, how, by the way, we talked about the Betty squad and I, I know there's 200 plus members. So how do people, how do the women out there, you know, try to get on the team or contact you or con give us all the information so they can contact. So, um, over the years, what we do is we open up, we open up applications and this will go up this year. I'm tentatively thinking, uh, September 10th and a call will go out via our newsletter, social media. Uh, we invite anyone to participate, to apply. Uh, I get in a lot of trouble every year because we can get thousands of applications and I can't have a team of thousands of women. And I hate saying no. Um, so there's always people that are reaching out and very discouraged I don't want to discourage anyone. I don't have a 
set thing I'm looking for. Honestly, for me, the two big things are an Instagram account where I can see your positivity, see the kind of life you lead. And that doesn't mean sharing every every dark moment or a positive moment. That doesn't mean oversharing necessarily. It's just like you don't have to post every day, but you get a sense of the kind of person you are. Um, and will you fit in with the with the squad if we all meet up in person? Do you do you give off the same vibe? Is it positive? Um, so Instagram is really important. In the past, it hasn't been, and I'm putting the stake in the ground this year that you've got to have an active Instagram account. Um, that's the way we share and communicate with each other a lot. Um, and obviously, it's it's marketing also for all of us for the brand. Um, but it's open to anyone. There's no age limit. There's no what size you wear in my clothing limit. Um, like I said, we've got we've got all different people in all walks of life from everywhere. And it's open to even international folks. So. Yeah, I just am excluding men. I'm sorry. I might get in trouble for saying that. I can't let all the guys on too. Yeah, I, I'm 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 not mad, and I understand. I just <laughs> I just kind of consider myself like a quasi Betty member, but not a Betty member. You know what I mean? I just yeah, totally. Uh, You're a boy, Betty. Absolutely. There you go. Heck, uh, you know, no, no stopping me with this skull and crossbone. <laughs> Butterfly. Well, Kristen, thank you very much for being with us today and giving of your time. I know you're very busy. And uh, I, I know everybody out there, including myself, can't wait to see what's in the future for you and your company. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're an inspiration to so many. So thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. I can't believe how far we go back. And I'm just honored that uh, we've stayed in touch all these years. And I love how life has kind of gone full circle. And um, I'm going to hold you to BWR, by the way. I'm definitely going to hold you to it. That's, that's what I need. I need someone like you to get my ass out there and do it. So I know that's going to happen now. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. And thank you so much for being so positive and really lifting the spirits of all these athletes. It's pretty incredible. And I know you know that, but you know. So thank you. You're welcome, Kristen. Thank you very much for that. Well, again, a show that has just inspired me. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Presented by Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review of how we're doing. You know you can do that on any one of the platforms that you watch the show on. You can also go to MikeRiley.net and see all the past episodes that are out there. Remember, everybody, family is everything. So when you're trying to make that tough decision in life, always consider family first, and that decision gets much easier. Take care of yourselves out there, and as always, my warmest aloha.